I'm thankful for the opportunity to be back in Bible study tonight. And um, what I sense the Holy Spirit is telling me to do in our Bible study for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about from the subject walking in wisdom, walking in wisdom. If you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. How many of y'all will be honest enough to say that there have been times in your life as a believer, especially uh, born again, if you die today, you're going to heaven. But there are times when you made decisions that were not very wise. Anybody in the house? You made choices with your born again self, with your righteousness of God self. And you're all of that. You're born again. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. But you've made some bad choices and bad decisions that were not wise. Right? And some of them were even sinful. But I mean, I'm not even going to the sinful one, but just not wise decision that, that caused some heartache, some pain, some angst in your life. Amen? Am I the only one that did that? And made some choices that you're like, why did I do that? Why did I not pray through that a little bit more and get some more clarity on that? So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through uh, uh, some proverbs. And I want to just kind of tonight introduce this piece to you because the book of Proverbs has been sitting in the Bible as long as there's been a Bible. And uh, there, are, there, are, uh, uh, there are things in there that, that we can learn and grow from. So I want us to kind of get a foundational look at Proverbs and then we'll uh, proceed to pick out certain ones. Now, as we go through this process, here's what I'm going to ask you to do uh, to just so we can get Proverbs down in our spirit. What I'm going to ask each one of you to do is to, you know, there's 31, I think, 31 Proverbs in the Bible. And so uh, for each day of the week, and I know some, I know this month has 29 days, uh, but for each day of the week, whatever day of that week is, I want you to read that proverb. Okay, so today is the 12th, right? So you'll do, the, you'll do Proverbs 12th chapter. Tomorrow is the 13th, right? So we start right there. You read Proverbs 13 chapter, and for every day of the month until further notice, I want you to read that proverb. Okay? Y'all with me? So Proverbs, let's go to the fourth chapter, and we're going to start out reading at verse number one, and we go down to verse number seven. And as you look at your outline, you should have gotten a, a, a study note outline. As Christians, we live in two worlds, the natural world and the supernatural world. Uh, the, the things that we can see, the physical world, but we also live in the spiritual world. Is that correct? Even with all of our great spiritual knowledge, we still have to live out our daily lives here on earth. You know, no matter how saved you are, no matter how much you speak in other tongues, no matter how much you shouted on Sunday morning, uh, you still got to live on this earth. You still got to go to a place where you lay your head. You still got to pay Something, even if the house is paid for, you gotta pay utilities in that place, right? You gotta, you gotta clean it up. You gotta cook. You gotta do all these things that are part of our natural physical life, okay? And so, so when we look at this thing, even though we may be called the righteousness of God, we still gotta do some things. We gotta sweep the floor. We gotta carry out the garbage. We gotta change the oil in the car. Uh, we, even though you're a joint heir with Christ, you still have to fix meals. You gotta mow the yard. We gotta do all those things. And in our doing of those things, we need to be making right choices, wise choices and decisions. But too, too often we find ourselves as believers making unwise choices uh, that, that, that are not for our good and to our detriment, okay? 
So let's start at verse number one. We'll read that and go down. It says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Verse number two, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and what? Live. Let's read it one more time. Back up to verse number four. He says, he what? He taught me also and said unto me, let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments and live. Verse number five says what? Let's go. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse six, forsake her not and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall what? She shall keep thee. Next verse says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get what? Understanding. Get understanding. Get understanding. Now, uh, as we look at this, the book of Proverbs, amen, I think is a, a good blueprint for how to make good decisions and good choices or wise decisions and wise choices. It's a prime reference source for wisdom in the practical details of our daily living, okay? Because it, it teaches us how to uh, to make certain choices and certain decisions. Now, the author, the primary author of Proverbs, of course, is Solomon, right? Uh, the greatest man of wisdom who lived on this earth besides Jesus Christ himself. Solomon was given wisdom. Go with me, if you will, uh, as we look at where wisdom comes from. We're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture here, and we're going to move forward. Go with me, if you will, to Job 28. Verse 12 through 15 and in verse 23 and 28. Book of Job, chapter 28, look at verse number 12. Text says this. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. Next verse. The depth says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not in me. Talking about wisdom. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. Skip down to verse number 23 with me right quick. It says, God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. 28, let's go. And unto man, he said, behold, read it with me out loud on purpose. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is what? Understanding the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Now, I, I will submit to you guys that as I look at, look at the culture in our country today, as I even look around and, and, and see the culture within, quote, the Christian church, I'm afraid that we have a culture and a mindset that does not fear the Lord any longer. We have a culture and a mindset that is that is decided that they're going, it's going to challenge what scripture says. And the person is going to do, amen, people in this culture have decided they're going to do it the way they want to do it and not the way God says he wants it done. And so we got to, we got to, we got to look at verse, verse 28. Job points out that wisdom is actually the fear of the reverence of the Lord. The first thing we must do to have wisdom is to recognize that all wisdom comes from where? I know you thought it came from Grandma Lucy. 
I know you said my mama wasn't, my mama, my daddy were one of the wisest person in the world. All right, fine. But wisdom comes where? It comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. So if we want to become wise, we must reverence God's word because the word of God is God. You remember uh, what the scripture text says in the New Testament? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word what? Was God. The word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among men. So in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word what? Was God. So the word has always been in existence. Okay? So if we want to become wise... If we want to become a man, a person who's making wise choices and decisions, we got to begin to reverence God's words. Now, again, when you reverence something, what does that mean? Somebody real quickly, if you reverence something, what does that mean? Anybody? You respect it. You honor it. You, you, you reverence. You got, you got great respect for it. In other words, you, you reverence it. You will bow to that thing that you reverence. Can I get a witness? So we said God's word needs to be reverenced. Now go to Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's look at knowledge and wisdom because knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Am I right about it? Knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Let's go to the NLT on this one. NLT. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7 right quick. NLT. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Verse 2 says what? Their purpose is to teach people what? Wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. What's the purpose of these Proverbs? To teach people wisdom and what? Discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Verse 3, let's go. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Stop right there. Now watch this. One of the purpose of these Proverbs here, he says, is to do what? Teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. How many of y'all know that God desires for each one of us to have disciplined and successful lives? God, God, listen, God desires for each one of us to walk in success. Now, success is more than just having money. Okay? Because a lot of folks who have money who I don't consider to be successful. Alright? But God desires for us to be successful. Joshua 1 and 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that is written therein, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So what that tells me is, is that my success in life is tied to my time in the Word. Because he said... This book of the law should not depart out of my mouth, but I'm going to meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that's written therein. Then I'll make my way prosperous, and then I'll have good success. Because it says right here, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. How many of y'all want to do what's right, just, and fair? Let me, let me ask you again. How many of y'all want to do what's right, what's just, and what's fair? All right. Verse number four. Let's read it together. It says what? These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Right? Right there. Okay. These proverbs will give insight 
to the simple, that person who, who don't, don't, maybe don't know a whole lot, but if you start reading Proverbs, you're going to sound a whole lot more wiser. When you start quoting Proverbs, when you start doing Proverbs, they say, ooh, boy, you don't got smart. Because it brings, amen, it, 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 it's going to give you insight where you didn't have it before. Okay? Knowledge and discernment to the young. Verse number five, let's read. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Six and seven. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7 says this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But listen to this. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Who despise wisdom and discipline? Fools do. All right. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So, again, we said knowledge, look at your outline, knowledge is taking in the word of God. Now, generally, as a general rule, each Sunday and Wednesday, we come and we have a time of praise and worship, and we have a time where we take in the word of God. Okay? Uh, We started giving, for the last month, so we give you an outline of notes you can go on, on the on the app and and look at the sermon notes and we're getting this information we're taking this information in and that we're gaining knowledge all right now again but it's different than wisdom right we said knowledge is taking in the word of god wisdom is putting out the word of god knowledge is taking it in but wisdom is putting out, in other words, when I'm doing it, not just speaking it, but when I'm putting it out, that means that whatever I get and I gain on Sundays and Wednesdays during my prayer time, my study time, then when I begin to live that stuff out, then that's when I'm walking in wisdom. Knowledge is what? Taking in the word of God. Wisdom is putting out the word of God. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the correct application of those facts. You can take word in. And some of y'all been listening to me preach. How many of y'all been here for 15 years at least? 20 years. Some of y'all been listening to me preach for 20 years. And I hadn't ran you off yet. You're still here. For 20 years. I wonder how much during that 20 year period have you done the thing that you've taken in? One of the things that can be discouraging for a pastor or any spiritual leader for that matter, is to know that you're teaching the word of God with the mindset that I want that word, amen, and God wants that word to come on the inside, in the head, down in the heart, and you stand on that word, speak it out of your mouth, but do it in your everyday life. One of the things that can be discouraging and disheartening for a pastor is to have somebody who's been there 15 years 20 years, 25 years, and that individual, amen, is not putting the word out. Taking all the notes, marking your Bible up, but when it's time to do this stuff, we keep flunking. Keep flunking the test. Not walking in wisdom. Accumulating the knowledge. Could pass a Bible quiz test, but we're not putting the word out. And what God is saying in this day and age in which we live in, we, he needs a people who are willing to walk in wisdom. Everybody say walk in wisdom. So not just accumulate facts, 
but to begin to do this word on a daily basis. What it, what it, uh, I think it's over in James 1 and 22 says, be, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only doing what? Deceiving your own self. Okay? So, so knowledge is the accumulation of facts and wisdom is the correct application of those facts. Knowledge and wisdom both begin by reverencing the word of God. All right, now this is different now. Reverencing the word of God. To reverence the word of God it's more than putting your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Swept to God. It was a time when people even reverenced the word to the point to where if they if you told if you wanted to find out if somebody was telling the truth, y'all were around there arguing about something telling them in the disagreement, and somebody said, Go with the Bible. Anybody remember that? Go with the Bible. Put your hand on the Bible. If they look at the line, he, re- he reverenced the word of God. Not the way. He wouldn't put his hand on that Bible and tell a lie. Am I right about it? But now, people don't reverence the word. Put the Bible up if you want to. I'm going to double down on my lie. Because, you know, some folks will go down with their lie. They say, if you didn't see me, I ain't going to ever admit it. And people can know you're lying. Have you ever lied so you believe your lie yourself and got mad at somebody who didn't believe your lie? You I'm just telling you. Now watch, 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 watch. Reverencing the word of God. Knowledge and wisdom both begin by reverencing the word of God. If you want to be knowledgeable, study God's word. If you want to be wise, apply God's word. Let's repeat that. If you want to be knowledgeable, study God's word. But if you want to be wise, if you want to walk in wisdom, you got to do what? Apply God's word. It is said earlier, I keep saying again. Guys, our obedience has nothing or should have nothing to do with our feelings. Too many, let me say it, I'm going to say it again. Because we as a church cannot grow at the level and, and do the things that God wants us to do if we as individuals are not going about reflecting, amen, our faith in our individual lives. Too many of us in here, I'm afraid, walk by how we feel too much. And we make decisions based on how we feel and not on principle and command and precept. And what God is saying is he needs a church full of people who are willing to say, you know what? I, I, I ain't feeling this, but I know what the word of God says. I know what my pastor has taught me. I know what I learned in my Sunday school class. I don't feel like going to that person, but you know what? I'm going to do it in hell. I'm going to let the word of God, because I reverence it. I got news for you. You don't reverence the word of God if you don't submit your will to the word of God. And repeat that. You do not, I don't care what you say out of your little mouth. If you do not submit your will to the revealed word of God, you don't reverence it. You just got some knowledge. And so what I'm hoping that we can begin to do is encourage each one of us in here, all of us in here, get to the point to where we're not just obtaining knowledge, but we're seeking to apply God's word in our everyday life. Okay? So again, uh, Knowledge and wisdom be, both begin by reverencing the word of God. If you want to be knowledgeable, study God's word. If you want to be wise, apply God's word. The word proverb actually refers to a rule or a standard. In Hebrews, it means, in the Hebrew, it means to be like. 
We are to be like God. These are the proverbs or the rules or the standards of God himself passed down to us through Solomon. Amen? Passed down through us through Solomon. Now, uh, if you want to be like God, the best way to do that is through study and application of his word. The word of God is eternal. Like God himself, his word remains forever the same. Go to Hebrews 3 and 8 right quick. And then we'll, we'll flip back to Second Chronicles 1. We're going to see where Solomon, who wrote these, uh, had an opportunity. God gave him an opportunity to, to decide what did he want from God. And Solomon certainly chose wisely, even though later on in his life he, he didn't apply, he didn't use wisdom in uh, how he lived his life in, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he, he got sidetracked. How many of y'all know Solomon got sidetracked? Solomon had a woman problem. Y'all know that? Y'all know the men who got women problems. Well, Solomon had a, a severe woman problem, and it got him in trouble. Uh, you know, not too many times have I not, you know, have I not seen where if a man got a woman problem, he's going to end up getting him in trouble. Can I say it again? All right. Well, I won't say it again. Brother, brother say, move on, move on, move on. Watch what Scripture says here in Hebrews 3 and 8. Don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Keep reading. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Y'all, we've been studying this for the last couple of months, right? So I was angry with them and said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I, they refuse to do what? They refuse to what? To do what I tell them. See, see, here, here's, again, let's go back. Here's how you know you reverence the word of God. It's when you do what the word of God tells you. When you know what, what's been properly explained, you, it, it's clear, there's no doubt, there's no discussion about it. And, and when you know what the word of God said, but we don't do that, we don't really reverence the word of God. And so you can't walk in wisdom if you don't reverence God's word because you won't apply God's word. So I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. That's what that's what God says here. Okay, so let's go look at the wisdom of Solomon. Go with me to Second Chronicles 1 right quick. Second Chronicles 1, verse 6 through 12. Second Chronicles 1. Y'all still tracking with me? All we're doing is laying the foundation because we're going to look at some things here that hopefully will give us some insight. Um, the text says this in 2 Chronicles 1, 6-12. says, there in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, you showed faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. Oh, Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. It's a lot of Israelites. Give me, watch what he asked for, guys. He says, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly for who could possibly govern this great people of yours. He asked for wisdom and knowledge to be able to govern God's people properly. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people 
and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. Look at what he says. I will certainly give you wisdom and knowledge you requested, the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has ever had before you or will ever have in the future. Watch this guy. Did y'all see that? He says, because you didn't ask for all this stuff, you said, give me wisdom and knowledge of how to govern my people. I'm going to give you that, but because I'm impressed with your heart right now, I'm going to give you some other stuff too. See, God don't have a problem with you having money, riches. He just don't want that stuff to have you. I tell you that all the time. If we would pursue God first, sit, Matthew 6 and 33 says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these what? Things. God don't have a problem with you having things. He just don't want us to get caught up in pursuing the things and forget about pursuing him. He's looking to and fro throughout the earth to try to find a man or woman whom he can show himself strong toward. Okay? All right. So, uh, so, so, so wisdom came. The wisdom that Solomon uh, pervaded and, and, and had in order to govern God's people and the wisdom he, he had to write Proverbs came straight from the Lord. Besides Jesus Christ, he was the wisest man that ever graced the face of this earth. Okay? Now, uh, if you look, uh, uh, let's, let's look real quickly at Colossians 3 and 16, and we're going to keep moving. So the wisdom of Solomon here. Watch this, watch this. Colossians 3 and 16. Let's look at that right quick. It says, let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs. And hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? Thankful heart. Let the message about Christ in all his richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives, that Christ gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I believe that Solomon embodied, amen, those attributes. You, look, you can look at when you get home, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 18 and 19, which talks about uh, you know, not being drunk with wine, which is an excess, but be filled with the spirit. And it talks about singing songs and making melody in your heart. Okay. So Solomon had wisdom. He had the word of God on the inside of him as he wrote uh, these Proverbs. There, you know, uh, there are five different Hebrew words for wisdom. And the one that is used most frequently is found in Proverbs 1 and 2. Let's go back there right quick. Proverbs 1 and 2. The Hebrew word translated wisdom in this verse is chakma. Everybody say chakma. So that's your Hebrew lesson for tonight. That's real easy. Chakma. Everybody say chakma. Uh, the Hebrew word chakma is the root meaning of which has to do with pounding something in. To pound something in. Y'all ever had somebody pound something in you? All right. Uh, in order to have the wisdom of God, it is necessary to pound in knowledge into your head and your heart. So again, the, the word chakma, amen, has the root meaning of to pound something in, okay? You have to read, study, and especially meditate in the word of God day and night, night and day. The more you meditate, the more you pound in, okay? Studying the word of God is like learning the multiplication table. How many, how did y'all learn how did y'all, when you were coming up in grade school, how did you learn your multiplication tables? Did they give y'all a card 
I mean, staff, you have a card when you're going. I mean, we, have, we have these cards, uh, and you take those cards home. You had them in your, in your, in your book bag or whatever, and you would just, you would just go over repetitively, right? That's why you know what is six times six. Is that right? What's seven times six? Forty-two. Y'all know that. And, and guess what? You learned that way back in elementary school, didn't you? What is three times twelve? Yeah, some of y'all look slow in the draw now, wasn't you? Uh-huh. What's 12 times 12? 144. Y'all know that stuff, right? How, how did that happen like that? Come on. What, what, is, what, is, what is 8 times 6? 48. Yeah. What is 3 times 7? 21. What is 2 times 18? 36. 36. Some of y'all hesitated on that one, okay? But I watched this, guys. That stuff was put inside of you when you were... What, I don't know, eight, nine years old? Third grade? You begin to learn your multiplication table. Pound it in. Everybody say chakma. So the same way that those multiplication tables were put down on the inside of you to the point to where you can now regurgitate it right now. There are certain things, again, you can listen to something over and over again. How many of y'all still got songs that if I start singing it, you can jump right in with me? Amen. From the time when you were growing up, there were the, 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 the songs that, 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 that when you brought, when you were out there listening, that stuff still is there. Right? I found love on a two-way street. Lost it on a what? Lonely highway. Luana like, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Love on a two-way street. What that mean? I mean, but, but it's, it's, can be sitting there and, and, and words just come back to me just like that. I mean, because over a period of time when you're in that era, that stuff is being put down that side. But now what if we as a church body, as a body of believers, stay off of social media so much, turn our TV off, amen, amen, and then get in the book and start reading and, and meditating and, and memorizing scripture like we used to. So the word is on the inside of us so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to our remembrance. If we can remember that stuff, surely we can remember the word of God. Huh? I mean, some stuff from way back yonder comes up because it was chakma. It was pounded in. Amen? Studying the word of God is like that. You didn't learn those multiplication uh, tables just by sitting up there and watching TV and putting it in front of your eyes. You have to go over it over and over and over again. You went over time and time again. So it is with the word of God, amen. Just reading it once is not enough, guys. Just Sunday morning is not enough. If we're going to walk in wisdom, we got to have that word down in our heart. I think it was David that said, thy word have I hid where in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Your word I put down inside of here so they can keep me. Because all of us need to be kept. Amen. Am I right about it? All of us, if we're not careful, if we don't get word on the inside, we will yield to our flesh. We'll yield to our emotions. And we'll make choices and decisions that are not wisdom, that are not wise. We'll make choices and decisions because our feelings were hurt. Anybody ever made decisions because your feelings were hurt? Huh? Just walked out of God's will because your feeling was hurt. 
Well, let me tell you something. If you're gonna, if, if you're gonna be really, uh, uh, if, if God's gonna have to, if God, if God, if you, if you're gonna let God use you the way He wants to use you, get ready. Your feelings are gonna be hurt. Everybody's not gonna accept you. Everybody's not gonna want to hear what you gotta say. Everybody's not gonna be going on the same page you're going on. So let's get to the point where we say, I'm gonna make sure I'm being obedient to God's word, and that's all that matters. Amen. We gotta get there, guys. All right. So, 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 let's look at some types of proverbs, and then we're gonna let you get out of here tonight, okay? And then we'll 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 pick back up on next week and begin to, to delve into this some more because this is important. Walking in wisdom. Too many times our churches have been blindsided, or our churches or ministries have not been able to effect, effectively function because we don't have enough believers who are being discipled and who are walking in wisdom. You cannot walk in wisdom if you don't reverence the word of God. The word of God has to be so important that you, you don't allow what people say. You don't allow what the news broadcasters say. You don't allow what the Democratic Party or the Republican Party says. You're going to be a, a person of the word. And that's what's going to drive your decision making. I won't know that you search the word. What principle, what precept, what command is called you to do what you're doing? Now, if you can't tell me that, then that means you, 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 didn't, you didn't consult God. God said in his word that, that, that if, you, if, if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he'll do what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding in all your ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. What will he do if you acknowledge him? He will direct your path. But too many of us sit back and we let other stuff direct our path rather than God. Because we, we don't really acknowledge him. We go based off what we feel, what we think, and what somebody told us, and not principle. Reverence the word. Get to the point where we say, God, listen, show me what your word says. Give me wisdom and insight. So now can I, can I gain the knowledge that I want to be able to put this word out? I want to apply it in my life. Man, that's when you're really going to see God move. Okay, so let's look at six basic types of Proverbs that we're going to be examining as we go through this series, Walking in Wisdom. I want everyone to hear to walk in wisdom, okay? So the first type is the synonymous proverb. And we know the word synonym, which refers to two words that basically have the same meaning. A synonymous proverb is one in which both lines say essentially the same thing, but express in a slightly different way. Let's go to Proverbs 11 and 15, and then we'll look at verse number 29, that very same chapter. So a synonymous proverb is one in which both lines say essentially the same thing, but it's expressed in a slightly different way. Okay? Y'all there with me? Proverbs 11, uh, verse number 15. Let's read it again. So what? There's danger in putting up security for a what? <laughs> Let me read that again. It, I, read it again, y'all. Come on. There is... There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Now watch this. We're talking about walking in wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. All right. So a synonymous proverb, again, what is it? It's one in which both lines say essentially the same thing, but it's expressed in a slightly different way. So there's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. 
You know, when you secure a loan, that means you put up some property, something of value. As an ex-banker, this resonates with me because as a banker, when I'm, when I'm going to loan somebody some money, first of all, I'm not going to loan you the full value of it, especially if it's a depreciating asset. Now, I know, Stafford, I know you, you sell cars. We've got some other guys sell cars here, and you, you got to sell those cars. But, but it, it, it's not wise for a, a, a car buyer to, to, to borrow uh, the, 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 the total value of the car, 100% value, or either, in some cases, when they're upside down on the other car that they turn in, they take that debt, put it on top of this new car. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So as a banker, you know, when, when it's coming to security, that, that car is my security. So if you don't pay, if you don't, one of the reasons why they keep the title, the bank to the car is in case you don't pay it, they can come get the car. But now when they come get the car, they want to be able to, they're going to come and get it so they can sell it and try to pay the debt, right? So they, if, if, you, if you owe way more than what the car is worth, then they're still going to, uh, have some debt outstanding, uh, and even because they sold the car for less than for less than what the value of the loan was. Y'all follow me? So they try to margin it. In other words, if they want you to put ten percent down or fifteen percent down, uh, plus the tax title and license, whatever. I know you can do all kinds of things. If you got good credit, you can go and just sign your name, right? All right. And as long as you keep paying it, you're okay. Because at some point in time, you're gonna pay it off, right? Anybody paid off a car note lately? How good does it feel? Does it drive a little bit better? <laughs> to me, when they pay for it, Kathy said I can drive a little bit better. You get in there, you, it's like, ain't no note on this thing. Woo, this thing's riding smooth. All right, but ain't the point. I, no, that, no, I'm getting sidetracked. Watch this, watch it. So a synonymous proverb, it basically says the same thing, but a little bit differently. Watch what it says. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger debt. Anybody here been burned for co-signing or guaranteeing? Just lift your hand real quick. You ain't got to tell me who it was. But just, okay, all right, it's, it's happened before, right? I bet you had you read this and it got down in your spirit, you would, you would say, you know what? I ain't going to go there with you. I love you. Here's what I'm going to do. If you love them that much, just go and put it in your name. And just, and just have in your mind that I'm going to pay this debt. Just, just, just going to, I mean, you trying to help your child. I understand that. Help him. Just go and put in your name. Because what's going to happen is, here's what's going to happen is, when this happens, and it will, in probably, I'm going to say in 85% of the cases, 90% of the cases, one of the reasons why, as a banker, I would ask for uh, another guarantor is because I didn't quite trust that you're going to pay it. So I won't get somebody who I, I got a little more confidence they're going to pay it. Right? So, so, watch this. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. So next time, your child or your cousin or your, somebody don't even know you. Sometimes it's folks that don't even know you. They, they just go to church with you. Call, will you co-sign for me? Call, what? Co-sign for you. Everybody say, don't do it. If you're going to be wise. Now, I'm not saying you can't help them. Just don't. Don't, don't ruin your friendship. Because people ruin friendships when, when people owe you money. They know they owe you. They didn't pay it. And now, now it's awkward. It, come on, it's awkward, right? Because when you, when you see them, you're thinking about, yeah, I owe them. And they're thinking, yeah, they owe me. 
They're trying to be nice and not say anything. They're hoping you're going to bring something up and say something like, well, you know, uh, you know I got this coming. Or when I get my, when I get my income tax. <laughs> How many of y'all heard that lie before? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So wisdom says don't do it. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. So that's a synonymous proverb, okay? Look at the 29th verse of that same one. Let's, let's go. Verse 29 says, those who bring trouble on their families do what? Inherit the wind. The fool will be a servant to the wise, okay? Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. That means that trouble is going to come. And the fool will be a servant to the wise. So if, you are, if you're foolish, you're going to end up serving those who walk in wisdom, Okay? Y'all got it? Basically, same, same thing, but stated a little different way. The next one is an antithetical proverb. In this type of proverb, a thought is presented in the first line with the negative of that thought expressed in the second line. These are just types of proverbs. So when you're reading through proverbs, understand, is it a synonymous proverb or is it an antithetical proverb? Look at Proverbs 14 and 30. Go there right quick. 14 30. Watch what it says. A peaceful heart Leads to a healthy body. Watch that. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. You, you, do you not know when you walk in peace, you get sick less? Watch well, said, But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. When someone is jealous, amen, has a jealous spirit, it, it, it's, like, it's like there's sickness all in their body, cancer in the bone. Watch well, this again. A thought is presented in the first line with the negative of that thought expressed in the second line. Peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. I believe that with all my heart, mind, and soul. Jealousy is like cancer in the bone. Go with me to Proverbs 17 and 22. Antithetical proverb. This is just different types. I want you to have this. A cheerful heart is what? It's good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Have you, ever, have you ever saw somebody who clearly they're broken on the inside? They, have, they don't have any strength or willpower to do anything. But find that person who's got a cheerful heart. And the, the text says that cheerful heart is good medicine. In other words, when you are cheerful, when you have a cheerful heart, man, you, 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 you're vibrant. You're willing to, to, to participate. You're willing to, to be involved. You're willing to be connected. But again, what type of proverb is antithetical? It is uh, it, it, a thought is presented in the first line with the negative of that thought expressed in the second line. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Let's go to the third type, a synthetic proverb. And this is probably the rarest of all types in the book of Proverbs. The name is derived from the word synthesis, which Webster's Dic Dictionary defines as a, a, a composition or a combination of parts, elements, etc., so as to form a whole. This term is used to identify a proverb in which both lines seem to express a totally different thought, even sometimes direct opposite, yet which have one common theme. Let's go to Proverbs 10 and 18. Watch this one. Glory to God. Third type is a synthetic proverb. Watch what it says. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Read it one more time. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you... What, is, what does it mean to slander? It means to, to talk about somebody or say something negative about somebody. 
uh, and it, that's not true. Okay? And I believe even, even as a Christian, guys, we have to be careful what we say about people. Even if what we're saying is true, does it need to be repeated? Do you have to say, especially if it's something negative, if it's something you said something good to encourage somebody, so be it. But many times we'll get into that trap of, of saying stuff negative about people, and it may even be true, but why are you saying it? You should be praying for that person. Are y'all following me? Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Huh. Watch that, okay? So a synthetic proverb where uh, they, the term is used to identify a proverb in which both lines seem to express a totally different thought, but yet still they have a common theme. That both, each one of these situations is messed up, right? Hiding hatred makes you a liar. So you hide hatred in your heart. That's, that, you're messed up there. And when you're slandering others, you're a fool. you messed up then. Hatred in your heart, you messed up. Being fool, you messed up, right? Neither one of them are good, right? Number four, an integral proverb. In this type, the second line completes the thought of the first line. Because the thought flows so well, the effect produces almost that of one continuous line with no interruption. You go to Proverbs 13 and 14 right quick. Proverbs 13 and 14. Listen to this. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Listen to that. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Listen, when you go and talk to people who, who have wisdom, especially as it relates to the scripture, or have wisdom in a particular area that you don't have wisdom or expertise in, don't go and listen to them and then ignore what they tell you. It's kind of like hiring a lawyer paying the man and then ignoring everything the man told you. Keep your money. I mean, I'm not going to hire an attorney to work on my behalf and then uh, I don't do what he say do. I just gave him some money and I could just stay at home and did what I want to do. If you go to a financial counselor, don't go to a financial counselor and then ignore everything they say. You see that all the time, don't you? People come in, they, they sit down, they won't help, but you don't tell them how to get out of it in two days. I want everything wiped out. I want my credit clean in, in two days. If your credit is messed up, it ain't going to get cleaned up in two days. If it's history, it's going to take some time. It's your history. And if somebody's telling you that we can wipe it clean, it's history. It's history. Give me $400 and we'll wipe it clean for you. It's going to come back because it's what? History. You got to deal with history. What they do, they just speed everything on there so it can come off and it looks good for 30, 45 days and then when they find out you really owed it, it comes back on there. And you gave them four, five hundred dollars, whatever, to clean your credit up. Listen, go, go to somebody who's going to use wisdom and not take you for a ride. Anytime that something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. I... I if it sounds too good to be true, and everybody's running after them right now, let's just run everybody's running, running. Hey, they doing, they doing nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sit right here, let them go and go. Because when everybody start doing something, everybody start talking about, come on. That's how get, people get caught up in pyramid schemes. 
Sean did it. Beverly did it. Jerry did it. So it must be okay. Let's go. Here's wisdom. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Now, you, you, you listen, you don't have to listen if you don't want to because you got your own will. But this says the instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Guys, I know sometimes when I'm preaching and I'm sharing stuff with you guys, some, sometimes y'all hear it, but you don't hear it. Sometimes you say, well, okay, that's good, but that ain't for me. And then next thing you know, six months later, you're in a death-like situation because you didn't follow the advice of the word. I will not purposely tell you something that I know is wrong. I'm going to show it in the word, and I'm going to challenge you to go back and look it up for yourself. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to be like those, those men in Berea. The Bible says they search the scripture, what, daily to see whether or not what the apostles told them was so. I challenge you to go back and look the word up. I want you to do that. Let's come back and discuss it. Tell me what you came up with. Amen? All right. Number, number, number five. Uh, no, go to Proverbs 19 and 20. Hurry, hurry. Proverbs 19 and 20. Let's go. Get all the advice and instruction you can. So you'll be wise the rest of your life. Get all the advice and instruction you can. So you'll be wise the rest of your life. Get all the advice. I'm, I'm, you know, all the advice and instruction you can. And, and, and get it from, from wise people. Don't get it from people who, who ain't here to lick at a stick. And they're going to tell you how to do something they hadn't done. Okay? Look at this next verse. Proverbs 22 and 6. Y'all know this one? And then we'll look at 22 and 10. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Verse 10 says what? Throw out the mocker and fighting goes. Throw out the mocker and fighting, fighting goes too. I mean, the person who's got that mock and make fun, then you get them out of the room and then people stop fighting. Quarrels and insults will disappear when the mocker leaves. Sometimes you got to get folk out from around you Who's stirring up stuff? That's basically what it's saying. Throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear when the mocker leaves. Okay? So that's the integral proverb. Uh, it's it's uh, a continuous line with no interruption. Number five, a parabolic proverb. In a parabolic proverb, the first line illustrates the second. The second line is the teaching. The first is the analogy. Many of these Proverbs don't seem to make sense to the modern mind. Go to, go to Proverbs 11 and 22. When I read this, I was like, oh, it, that, that's, that's deep. Watch what it says here. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig snap. <laughs> now, to my modern mind, that don't, that don't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, but it says a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Now, this is, this is dealing with a, a, a woman who don't know how to keep herself. It's like a gold ring in a pig snout. In other words, what you got to understand is, is Jews, who this was written to, you know, thought of pigs as being unclean. You follow me? So if, if I didn't know that from a historical context, this wouldn't make sense to me. But because Jews didn't have anything to do with pork and pigs, you got a gold ring which is valuable, but it's in a pig's snout. It's valuable, but you can't get to it because you ain't going to touch that pig unless you become unclean. That's what he's saying. See, that's a beautiful woman 
who lacks discretion. A beautiful woman, she's finer than wine. She's 36, 24, 36, but she, she just ain't got, somebody said that. She, 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 she ain't got no discretion. She won't keep, she keep giving herself the multiplicity of dudes. He says, she's she like a, like a gold ring in the pig's now. You see it as valuable because in a Jewish mind, I can't touch that because it's valuable, but the pig is unclean. Y'all follow me? So I had to understand that in order to know what they were talking about. All right, so watch this. Look at the, look, look at the next one. Watch this. Watch this. 25 and 25. Let's go to Proverbs 25 and 25. Watch this. Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. How many of y'all, when you're thirsty, you get some cold water? That's good, isn't it? When, I, when you get good news from far away, say it's just like cold water to the person who's thirsty. That makes sense, doesn't it? Look at 26 and 9. Let's go. It says what? A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. In other words, a thorny branch that's 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 maybe stuck in a in a in a in a drunk's hand. He's drunk. He don't even feel it. It it it, it becomes. How many of y'all have been drunk before? And You've been drunk before and you you wake up and you're sore and you're scratched up, but you don't know how you got sore and you got scratched up. You ain't got to admit it. Don't, don't, even, don't even admit it. I don't, I don't even want no detail. I don't know it. All right? But it says a proverb in the mouth of a fool is just like that drunk with that, with that thorn, thorn uh, thing sticking in his hand. He don't even feel it. He don't even know it's there. So proverb in the mouth of a fool don't do no good. He don't do anything with it. Okay? You follow me? All right, watch this one. Uh, 20 and 26, and we're going to move to this last one. I'm going to let you go. Walking in wisdom. Proverbs 20 and 26 says this. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. Wise king (laughs) scatters the wicked like wheat. In other words, then he runs his threshing wheel. In other words, the king ain't going to let the wicked gather up and come against him. He's going to thin them out and take them out. Okay? All right, now watch this. Last one. A comparative proverb. As we go through there, ask yourself the question, what type of proverb am I, am, I, am I reading here and how does it relate? A comparative proverb is one which compares one thing with another to illustrate a common trait or theme. Okay? In some comparative proverbs, the first line expresses something which is superior to or more desirable than the second. Let's go to Proverbs 27 and 15 right quick. Watch this. 27 and 15. Look, look, look at this. All right, listen to this. Brothers, y'all, y'all mark this down, okay? A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Here, y'all have heard some just drip, 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 drip. That's like a quarrelsome wife. She's just as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. So don't, if you if you got a you got a wife that likes to argue and fuss all the time, it's just like drip, drip. Dip, dip, dip. Oh, it's like fingernails on the, on the chalkboard. <laughs> Give you the eebie-jeebies, doesn't it? A quarrelsome wife is as, an, as annoying as a constant tripping on a rainy day. Watch this, uh, Proverbs 15, 16, and 17. A comparative proverb. It's given a comparison. Watch this. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure 
and inner turmoil. Wow. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure, a lot of money, and on the inside, you, 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 you're all messed up. 617, watch this. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Man, I do. Boy, that's deep, Ed. LaJuan, you hear that? A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. I, I amen that, okay? I don't want to sit down and eat steak with somebody who I'm just simply like, oh, yeah, I want to cut your throat. No, no, no. Comparative proverb. Look at one more. Proverbs 17 and 1. Watch this. It better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. Better a dry crust eaten in peace. Just, just, just a piece of bread or something. Just, you, then, then, then a house filled with feast. You got a, a table full of stuff, but ain't no peace in the home. Just arguing all the time. Just gets on your last. Then you're like, oh, wake up in the morning. What you going to argue about today, baby? You don't want that. You don't want that. 21 and 9, last one. See, wisdom, 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 wisdom. This will help some of y'all. This will help some of y'all. Watch what. Here we go. Ladies, I didn't pick these out. I just kind of, well, I, I did this. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I saw that. I was like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with the, I don't know why probably keeps talking about a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. I think the KJV said it's better to live on the rooftop than in a house with a cantankerous woman. That's what it says. It keeps repeating that for, for some reason. So as a comparison, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a chorus and wife in a lovely home. Okay, You can have a lovely home, but if there's arguing and fussing going on all the time, ain't no peace there. Okay, So those are the six type proverbs that we'll be encountering as we go on this journey of walking in wisdom. Okay, So we'll pick up next week and talk about some things. There, there's, again, what I want you to do, your assignment tomorrow is the 13th. So read Proverbs 13 and just make it a habit of whatever day of the week it is, get up and read that Proverbs and, and pull some wisdom from that because in reference to what the Word of God is saying, okay? Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.